0: like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Now, when it comes to Jesse Belvin, many say he could have been bigger than Frank Sinatra Sam Cooke and Nat King Cole at that time and that's a big statement he was your favorite artist favorite artist look legendary soul singer Ella James said she said this she said he could have been bigger than Sam Cooke and Nat King Cole because Jesse had charisma as well as the looks style and sound and when he peered into your eyes you melted and this was back when every guy black or white wanted to be as cool as actor James Dean but she said Jesse Belvin was beyond cool and she considers him the greatest singer of her generation from rhythm and blues rock and roll crooner you name it wow Stevie Wonder in the interview said, Jesse Belvin was his favorite artist and he would almost die to meet him and really loved the music he gave to the world because there was so much sincerity in his voice. Now, Marvin Gaye said, when he saw Sam Cooke and Jesse Belvin, he tried to avoid his friends and family for days because he didn't wanna talk or be talked to Cause he was busy practicing and memorizing everything he heard sam and jesse do barbara cook the former wife of sam cook who y'all all know ended up marrying bobby womack look one time she was showing some of sam cook's albums right after he died that he had in the bag and the only other artist in that bag was jesse belvin Even Sam Cooke tried to model his career after Jesse Belvin. Lou Raw said Jesse Belvin's album was the greatest jazz pop LP ever made. This guy, Jesse Belvin, was one of the most gifted pianists, prolific songwriters, and singers of his generation. You know, some call him the Golden Voice. Some call him the Doo-Wop King. (laughs) they even gave him the nickname Mr. Easy because of how easy it was for him to write songs his mother said one time she sent him to the store to get some milk and when he returned a few minutes later he had wrote four songs on the bag that the milk was in wow he wrote the song the classic song Earth Angel when he was in the army. And in 1954, the legendary doo group called the Penguins, they recorded it. And look, <laughs> they say there was an 11 year old boy now playing the piano for that session. And guess who it was? The maestro himself, Barry White. But I'm sorry to say that it's not true though, because as I digged a little deeper while working on the Barry White story, In a 1995 interview with Larry Katz of Boston Herald, Barry White denied writing or arranging the song and believed the story was exaggeration by journalists, although Barry and Jesse did live in the same neighborhood in Los Angeles. You know, Jesse was like 12 years older than Barry, though. But anyway, look, the song Earth Angel, the history behind that song, That song changed the game. That song became one of the first R&B singles to cross over onto the pop charts, selling over a million copies. Look, they say Earth Angel, they say that song was the first song to bring white and black people together during that time, especially the teenagers. Jesse Belvin would write songs so fast and only sell them for like a hundred dollars though because at the time, see during the fifties, the 1950s, he didn't know the music business in which none of the black artists did and he was just trying to get some money to help his family, but see what's crazy is he would write songs for a bunch of his uh, friends that was in groups in his neighborhood all through LA and then Jesse would go to Hollywood and get them record deals which ended up getting him caught up in a lot of contracts he didn't abide by. Like I said, he would sell songs and join another group. But on a contract, he would go by another name because he needed the money. He just loved doing music. But later on, a lot of them songs he ended up not getting credit for, like Earth Angel. He went to court and he did get his royalties at the end earth angel the truth behind that his friends stole a song from his house when he was drafted to the military because when he had it when he wrote the song it wasn't called earth angel it was called dream girl when jesse was away his mother still would let his friends in the house play the piano because basically that was the only piano in the neighborhood at the time and jesse's songbook was on the piano that's how Jesse came home. Jesse Belvin came home from the military early because he was in a court battle with Doom Tone Records and the Penguins over that song "Earth Angel." Once he heard it on the radio, they say uh, that beef, though, over that song got so deep it was deep in the it was deep in the streets that the level the rumor the rumor was it was a war in the streets over that song. That's crazy, man another fact is about Jesse is he was nominated for a Grammy at the first the first Grammy Awards show the song he had guess who made the top 40 hitting number 36 on the pop charts and it managed to reach number 7 on the R&B charts and that song the song was really a love letter written by his wife Joanne to him He was in the military at the time during the Korean War, and the song really, actually, it actually earned him two Grammy Award nominations in 1959. One for Best Male Vocal Performance, in which he lost to Frank Sinatra, and the other Grammy was a Best Rhythm and Blues Performance, in which he lost to Dinah Washington. Now, see, let's get to Jesse's wife, right? Joanne now Joanne she played a big role in his career becoming his songwriting partner and his manager later on she was the only one Jesse could trust and had his back because like I said earlier he was caught up in a lot of contracts with small record labels like in a three or four year period they say he has sung on 20 different record labels and Joanne she looked over and studied all his contracts and learn how to negotiate that's crazy man black woman back in the 50s being a manager i bet the i bet the industry was scared of that so look when it came time for him to sign with rca victor records joanne his wife was the one that made sure his deal was like elvis presley's deal where he had movie deals and everything plus part of jesse's duty Part of Jesse's duties, right, when they signed him to RCA Records was that he would be the vocal coach for Elvis Presley. And they paid him to help and teach Elvis Presley. Wow. Now, back to Joanne, right? Joanne Belvin made sure her husband Jesse wasn't going to get screwed out of no money. They actually were the blueprint to show black artists about the business side of the game at the time. But you know what's crazy? Jesse Belvin is not even in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He was never never inducted. They got so many people in the Hall of Fame that really shouldn't even be in there. But they did say a lady named Jeanette Baker... Now Jeanette Baker, she's a well-known actress and singer, whose great aunt was Josephine Baker, and she was good friends with Jesse Belvin, and she did do a a, a petition to have him placed on the 2013 ballot for uh, induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now another thing is, and it's kind of spooky, right? You know that 27 Club where all them artists die at the age of 27 years old? Well, Jesse Belvin was the first one to start it off. He's the first member, that's crazy. But look, what I wanna talk to y'all today about is his death on February 6, 1960, when him and his wife was killed in a car crash. A horrific head-on collision... Just hours... After doing a concert... But many think... They were murdered... So let's get into the story y'all... Here we go right... Now... The story goes... Now see... During that time... Especially in the deep south... Racism... Was crazy out there... Everything was segregated... But see jesse had just signed a major deal with the label rca victor records and he was promoting the album titled mr easy which was the follow-up to his last album titled just uh jesse belvin right and the label now rca wanted more sales and they knew in order to reach a bigger audience he would need to tap into the segregated south and they was trying to market him as the black Elvis Presley Wow Because see look Like I said Elvis was on that label too They had signed him A few years back And he was big At the time And they was calling Elvis uh, The white soul singer Or They was calling him The a white little richer That's crazy But we all know We know Elvis We know Elvis I'm gonna say Admired Black music Blues Gospel R&B Little Richard said if he was white there would be no Elvis. <laughs> I'ma say that I'ma save both of their stories for later. But look. The label, right? They was grooming Jesse to cross over to the white audience. They was in competition with Capitol Records, who had Nat King Cole. And he was the king at the time. And they wanted Jesse. To become a smooth ballad singer And be on the same level as Nat King Cole With a white fan base But see While he was trying to make his record label happy Jesse felt he was losing his black fan base And that's why he joined The R&B Caravan Tour Which had an all black roster And it was also The first rock and roll show of 1960 So look right They put Jesse on tour and he had a show lined up at the 2600 seat Robinson Auditorium in Little Rock, Arkansas with Sam Cooke, Jackie Wilson and a few other artists. And this show was supposed to be the first integrated show bringing white and black teenagers together for the first time this wasn't a chitlin circuit tour now this was the first mixed audience show ever in the state of arkansas and you know arkansas at that time was filled with racism because you know just a few years before that the little rock nine situation had happened if y'all know about that that's when the, uh it was a group of nine black students enrolled in little rock central high school and was physically and verbally abused and assaulted by white students and the National Guards had to come down to make sure they got in the school and were protected I mean they called the National Guards in but it was racist too now one of the black students one of the black students even got acid thrown in the eyes wow shame man I'll save that for history underrated but anyway, look, back to the story. Now, Jesse, Jesse Belvin was coming from California and living there, he experienced racism, but when he came to the deep South for the first time, it was a whole different ball game. When he saw, what he saw in the South scared him so bad, he had to call his mama. He called his mom a few times and told her about the hatred he and the other r and stars were experiencing. Which made her scared for his safety. That made his mom scared for his safety. Because she usually heard from him. Every couple of weeks. But when she received three nervous phone calls. From him doing this tour. She became worried. And to be honest at the time. Jesse Belvin's popularity was just as big. As Sam's Cook and Jackie Wilson's. And look that week he had already received death threats prior so when they did this show right there were white supremacists in the crowd shouting and yelling racial slurs at jesse and jackie wilson and everybody and the rest of the black artists the white supremacists were urging the white teenagers at the show to leave the show because when they seen they didn't like the fact that Whites and blacks mingling together all in one room. They lost it when they seen that. They started throwing glass bottles from the mezzanine and started fighting with blacks in the audience and everything. They say It got so bad, the show had to be stopped twice, and Jackie Wilson refused to perform. And him and the promoter and the police at the venue had gotten into it. Now after the show things got so bad to the point that Jesse Belvin Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke and the rest of the black artists had to be escorted out of town better yet they was ran out of town because see the promoter of the show he wanted them to perform a second show but they refused and that's when they was ordered to leave town at gunpoint wow It got ugly man, it got real ugly. And they say earlier, they had been like, what, six death threats on Jesse Belvin's life from angry whites. And Jesse and the rest of the singers, they had another show to do in Dallas, Texas. That was the next stop. And they was already getting death threats for that also. So look right now, now in order to leave the town by all the angry white people, when they was walking to their car, they saw about five young white men near Jesse and Jackie Wilson's vehicles. Now, one witness stated that two men were trying to block the view of Jesse Belvin's car while another was underneath it. But they somehow, Jesse and them managed to escape. Now leaving Arkansas, they in the car, right? Which was a Cadillac, black Cadillac Jesse had Um, It was Jesse His wife Joanne His friend And guitarist Kirk Davis And his driver Whose name was Charles Shackelford Now let me say this about the driver right Now The driver Charles Shackelford Recently had been the driver for Ray Charles But Ray Charles fired him Because of the way he drive He was always swerving too much falling asleep behind the wheel and everything. Ray Charles said in his autobiography titled Brother Ray, which is a great book by the way, he said Charles Shackleford used to like to hang around the shows instead of getting some sleep because he knew he had to drive and uh he had to drive a lot of hours and he liked to drink. That's why Ray Charles fired him. Now, now back to the story right now. Charles Shackleford now driving, leaving the show hours later, he's somehow, he's driving, somehow he loses control and went into the other lane of oncoming traffic and ended up in a head-on collision crashing into another car and the car exploded, bursting into flames. Now, some of the other musicians on the tour everybody was following each other but um, some of the other musicians was far, way far back was, uh, far behind Jesse's car and they say they saw a horrible glow like a red glare that lit up the sky where the two cars collided and Jesse Belvin and the driver Charles were killed instantly sad man his wife Joanne was in the car too she uh she was taken to the hospital With injuries And they had to put her in a coma But a week later She died From her injuries But here's the crazy part about that Right Now according to Etta James And she put this in her book um, I think it's called Rage to Survive um, Etta James She heard the story from Jackie Wilson Because her and Jackie Wilson Was real close She said the hospital refused to treat Joanne until they got some money. So Joanne, she remained untreated until someone got in touch with Jackie Wilson. And that's when he drove from Dallas, Texas, all the way back to Arkansas with some money to give the doctors. But she died of her injuries a few days later. That's sad, man. The doctors left her untreated with a crushed pelvis, a crushed chest, and a broken arm. Mm, mm, mm. Etta James also said that Jackie Wilson told her though, now Jackie Wilson told her that the crash was the driver's Charles Shackelford fault because he fell asleep behind the wheel because everybody, everybody else in the car was asleep and Jesse had his arm around his wife Joanne while sleeping but right before the crash during the swerving he grabbed his wife Joanne's head and shoved it beneath the car radio which probably saved her life at that moment but Jesse went through the windshield and was nearly decapitated though sad man now Jesse's guitarist Kirk Davis was in the car too, he was sleeping in the back seat, he was injured but survived, he was the only one to make it but they say he never gave an interview about what really happened that night, Hmm. he probably don't remember though because actually he was hurt pretty bad, he was in a coma and the other car that they hit which was a husband and wife from Milwaukee died also from the head-on collision which is sad so a total of five people lost their life that day now when police arrived on the scene one of the first state troopers on the accident scene stated that both of the rear tires on Jesse Belvin's black Cadillac had been obviously tampered with hmm He said it looked like the tires had been slashed. But after making that statement, he gave no more details, which made people think foul play was involved. Because there is no evidence from the crash scene, no notes, no photos, or if a report was ever even filed. And you know how the police was back in that time in the 1950s and the 60s when it came to black people. It just didn't care, you know? So that's why when the word got back that Jesse had died, when that word got back to the black community, they automatically thought foul play because they died in the deep south. Now, they say Jackie Wilson was so upset about his death, he wanted to get his lawyer involved to investigate because he was headed to Dallas, Texas also Right behind Jesse, them to perform, but he ended up being late because he had car trouble too, right after the show. He thought somebody had messed with his tires too, try to sabotage his car. And by the time he got to Dallas, Jackie Wilson was wondering why Jesse hadn't arrived yet. So that's when he called Jesse's mother in LA, asking if she had heard from them, but she hadn't. Like I said earlier, man, when they was leaving that Little Rock, Arkansas show, it was a bunch of white men around their cars, and one was underneath the car. He could have planted, he could have planted a bomb, anything under there, because they say Jesse Belvin's car exploded and burst into flames. But a head-on collision could do that too. And to be fair, his driver did like to drink. That's why Ray Charles fired him, and he wouldn't rest up for the long hours of driving, so he could have nodded off or something and fell asleep behind the wheel. And you know, Jesse and his wife Joanne, man, were both buried by each other at the Evergreen Cemetery in Los Angeles, California. And you know what's crazy, though? After Jesse Belvin's death, right, Sam Cooke signed to the same record label, RCA Victor, records because what people don't know is after sam after sam cook left king records he went to la to get a good record deal like jesse belvin and his wife had got and he learned a lot he learned a lot of business from them they were all good friends look in the sam cook documentary called the two killings of sam cook on netflix which is a great that's a great documentary there was a part in there where Sam Cooke was so upset after hearing about Jesse Belvin's death that he boycotted uh, a, seg- a segregated show in Memphis, Tennessee, refusing to perform risk in his life. I think he boycotted a couple shows after his death, though. And Jesse Belvin and Joanne, they did have two sons. You know, uh, Jesse Belvin Jr., Uh, He said he was working on a book about Jesse's life and he stated for years he's been trying to find out what really happened to his parents. He also said that the song Earth Angel might have been the reason his parents lost their lives. Hmm. But one thing his mother Joanne did when she became manager of her husband Jesse Belvin is put the kid's name on the publishing so they can live off the royalties that was very smart of her for doing that she was a smart woman but you know jesse belvin jr the son, i hope he does do that book man he sings too he sounds pretty good so y'all y'all make sure y'all check him out when y'all get a chance and this story man this story should definitely be a movie And I was surprised that there's no documentary or anything, you know, on him, man. It's a lot of missing pieces to the story. So hopefully his son put that book out so we can get, get a lot more real information. You know, Jesse Belvin, man, 27 years old when he died. His wife, Joanne, was 25 years old. Rest in peace to both of them, man. Rest in peace to everybody that lost their life that day. So, I got to ask y'all, what y'all think? Was it an accident or foul play was involved? So, y'all leave a comment and let me know what y'all think. And stay tuned for more episodes because I like this series, Accidental Demise. I can really get deep. We can really get deep and dig deep into the depths of a lot of these artists um It's a lot of them I want to redo. We need to we need to dig deep into like Natina Reed, the Charmaine Maxwell, Sean Lavert, especially Johnny Kemp. Johnny Kemp, I'm gonna redo that one. We gonna. Do-